Welcome, warriors. In the last episode, I said I would kick this thing off with part of my story. I hinted that I, like all of us, had a trauma or two that may have inspired this podcast in the first place. I do want to start with a slight warning, though. While there are no explicit details, this is not a topic for young ears. With that said, let's rock. Does your past haunt you? Maybe you're in a storm that feels like it will never end. Are you fighting a battle that's rendering you hopeless? Maybe you feel like you're fighting alone, but your battle was not meant to be a solo endeavor. You were meant to be a warrior among warriors. My name is Heather, and I grew up thinking my battles were nobody's business until I found myself in an abusive marriage and felt cut off from all avenues of help. In this podcast, you will hear warriors' words. They will tell you of their battles, both won and lost, their journeys, and their lessons learned along the way. But we don't stop there. These warriors will share how they have applied those lessons to go from warrior to survivor to thriver. Whether it's an abusive marriage, illness, mental health crisis, or any number of traumas this world dishes out, these warriors will use their words to help you find the beauty in your broken, move beyond your battles, and become the thriver God created you to be. Pick up your sword or boxing gloves and join the battle. Your words are powerful, my friends. Make them warrior words. Welcome back to the Warrior Words Podcast. Just in case you fast forwarded through the intro, I want to reiterate that there are no specific details, but this topic is not one for children. And one more disclaimer, if you or someone you know is in a domestic abuse or domestic violence situation, please seek help. You can go to thehotline.org, call 1-800-799-SAFE, or text START, S-T-A-R-T, to 88788. Okay, so this is my story. There is no intent to hurt or blame any specific person or persons. It's about my behaviors, situations, reactions, and my own state of mind. Now, let's start at the beginning. Julie Andrew. Now, let's start at the beginning. Julie Andrews told us it's a very good place to start. I graduated from college and went into um, a graduate program while I worked a full-time job. I got my master's degree and then stopped working in that field. (laughs) Can anyone relate to that? Please tell me I'm not the only one. I began to work a lot of different jobs, different types, trying to find the one that I really wanted to do. Guess what? I've been doing that for 30 years now, and it's landed me here. (laughs) Anyway, so I considered myself a strong, independent woman. I had my opinions, and I didn't care what anyone thought of them. I did whatever I wanted because I was tied to nothing and no one. It felt pretty good until it didn't. I started feeling lonely. I had a series of boyfriends and even thought about marrying a couple of them but it never felt right. Now I know I'm not the only one with that experience. Truth be told, I I grew up wanting that 50s ideal. Married, couple of kids, white picket fence, pearls, etc. Although also, I wanted to be a pediatrician for a while, but that changed in college. In this family ideal, I even wanted to have enough kids to have my own baseball team. Yep, you heard that right. Don't worry, that changed. In fact, the whole dream changed. 
I'm not sure when it changed or exactly why it changed, but I found myself in my late 20s, early 30s, unmarried, no kids. In my early 20s, I was diagnosed with endometriosis and was told that I might never have kids. So maybe that played into it. But by the time I was 30, I was heartbroken that I had never even tried. And that was the year everything changed. And no, I'm not being dramatic for effect. Everything literally changed in a few months time. The internet was becoming a thing and people were starting to send emails on the regular. One day I got one from a guy from my past, a guy I used to really like. Pretty soon emails gave way to phone calls and phone calls turned into those marathon chats, you know, late, late, late in the night. And then a visit was planned. It was a whirlwind and we were engaged very quickly. Let me pause here and say that while the decision to get married is usually based on emotions, those emotions should not include desperation or FOMO. The engagement period was just as short as the dating one. It all happened super fast. So fast that I missed, or maybe I chose to ignore, a lot of red flags. I'm not gonna go into detail, but some of these red flags are universal and others may have been more personal to my situation, meaning that they might be red flags for me, but not for everyone. The universal ones include things like half-truths or even outright lies, suspicious behavior that should have at least been questioned, if not investigated. But as I said earlier, I was feeling lonely, like maybe this was my last shot, so the red flags went unnoticed. Everything got accomplished in record time, including some avoidance and manipulation of the process the church lays out to help prevent marriages from happening that shouldn't. Like Princess Buttercup said in The Princess Bride, um, we sort of skipped that part. Let's just say if your faith offers premarital counseling or another premarital program, don't skip that part. That's, there's a good reason that it's in place. As you might have already figured out, there were problems. But what you may not have guessed is that they started at the reception. I literally felt trapped, stuck, and afraid that very first night. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if there was anything I could do. That night I had dreamed of since I was a little girl. That night I went from Ms. to Mrs. was the night I became Mrs. Banks. Not because my new husband's name was Banks, it wasn't, but because I went from being that strong, independent woman to being timid and afraid. What do you do when everything you've dreamed about turns into a nightmare on the very day that dream is supposed to be coming true? I had no idea. It never even occurred to me that this was a possibility, but it was like a Jekyll and Hyde situation and I never knew who I would be facing. In the months to come, I would lose just about everything I'd worked for and become. I lost my good credit, my adventurous spirit, my backbone, my identity, and my independence. And no one knew. It was a dirty little secret that I feared would get out. I was afraid of the repercussions, but I was also afraid of what people would think. Of me. That's messed up. My head was so messed up and my world was so topsy-turvy 
that I was concerned about what people would think of me getting myself into this situation. So I stayed quiet. And I played the part of a loving, dutiful wife. As far as I know, everyone bought the act. That is, the people I was allowed to see. Before I was married, I had friends and we would do things together. That all stopped. I used to love attending holiday celebrations with my family. Those decreased and the ones that did happen were miserable in one way or another. I'd always held a job and was strong and confident in my ability to do whatever that job was. Now, I was either told to stay home or be rated for not financially contributing. It was a lose-lose. For those who are listening and are maybe thinking someone in your life does similar things, but you discount them because you don't feel like you're a good enough wife, I know that feeling well. I honestly didn't know how to be a good wife. Heck, I had been single all my life. I'll admit I was not a good housekeeper. But when you're going to get yelled at or punished, whether you do a good job or not, it's just easier not to. That's what my life became. Which level of misery was easier? Which one would be over the quickest? I retreated into a shell, hiding as much as I could. I knew the wrath was coming. Every once in a while, I found the courage to snap back, but that only made things worse and prolonged the tirade. So they got fewer and fewer. Then there were kids, because after all, being a good wife meant you were always available, always open, always willing. I tried it first, but the willingness disappeared with all the threats and disparaging comments. But the kids kept me busy and there were some glimmers of hope. I saw attempts at being a good father with bath time and story time. He really was good at that. And I say that in all seriousness because I truly believe in giving credit where it's due. But the majority of the parenting was left up to me and I was okay with that. Like I said earlier, I always wanted to be that Donna Reed type mom. I know, I know it was the new millennium, but I still longed for that 50s family. I'll admit again that my housekeeping skills were not up to par, so those 50s housewives would be disappointed in me too. But I did want to get better at that. However, in order for those housewives to do what they did, they needed a supportive partner, not one who berated them for everything. I'm sure there were some, of course, who didn't, but we didn't hear about those things. We didn't have instant communication in the 50s, so I'd be willing to bet there were many who suffered in silence. That's what I felt I had to do. There was no social media, texting and emailing, or just getting started. I had a flip phone, y'all, and all it did was dial phone numbers. So things got worse, a lot worse. There were affairs and multiple substance abuses. But I wanna stop here for a moment and give credit to a few people who make the Warrior Words podcast possible. First, my audio and video editor and composer of this podcast music. He is known on YouTube as Agent Secret 24. If you know anyone who likes music and video games, check him out. My podcast cover art designer is Sophia of Sophia Labano Creative. My photographer is Val of Val Westover Photography. And my podcast coach is Stephanie Gass. All of their information will be in the show notes if you want to check them out. Okay, now back to my story. I finally got my spine back and decided something had to change. I was scared, 
but I was able to do some research and find out what I was legally allowed to do. I ended up finally telling my family what had been going on for the past few years. And to my relief, they were very supportive. Wait a minute, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. I was not afraid that they wouldn't support me, but I had been told lies so many times that I began to believe that no one would believe me when I told them what was going on. So it sounds like I was doubting my family, but I was actually doubting myself. That's one of the things abusers do. They convince their victims that no one will believe them if they tell. It's a lie to protect themselves and to cover up their behavior. So they convince you to stay quiet. They retain control and no one finds out their dirty little secret. Anyway, I ended up taking my children and leaving. It was a mess and it got uglier in certain ways, but it was also so freeing. I was no longer living under direct control. I wish I could say the controlling stopped, but it didn't. It just changed. But at least my children weren't witnessing abuse anymore and I wasn't constantly in it. But as I mentioned in my intro, we cannot leave it there. There has to be more. Leaving the situation, I became a warrior. I started to fight for myself and for my children. The battle took a long time, but eventually I became a survivor. The interesting thing about that though, it was like there were lots of battles and with each victory, I became a little more of a survivor. I survived this battle and that one. So I was a survivor, even though I still had battles to fight. With each piece of survivor I earned and tucked into my armor, I became stronger. I was healing. Let's talk about healing for a moment. Healing takes many forms. My physical health had taken a turn. I had to hide food, so it had to be non-perishable, which means the boxes of food I was hiding were not the healthiest of choices. After leaving, I could cook better foods for my small family and I didn't have to hide anything. Then there was the spiritual healing. I battled with that one a lot. I grew up believing divorce wasn't an option, ever. Though there were certain people I thought should be divorced, it wasn't an option for me. That was based on a faulty belief. While most Christian churches want people to try to work things out, there are times when this is not possible. Abuse, addiction, and infidelity qualify. If I had confided in my priest, I would have learned this. But I was convinced that no one would believe me and that sharing this information would only make things worse. So again, I remained silent. After I left, I went through a course put on by my church that helped clarify a lot for me, and I began to heal spiritually. I think the emotional healing was the most difficult. Like I said, the controlling abusive behavior didn't stop because we were no longer in the same house. It continued through phone calls and text messages. There was emotional manipulation and countless threats. It was very difficult to heal when the hits kept coming but I did heal. It took a long time, but with each small victory, I gained more confidence. I took my control back. I started standing up for myself, refusing to believe the horrible words slung at me, refusing to accept the names I was being called. I installed a recorder on my phone, and this is important, complying with the laws of my state, I recorded many conversations. 
I got brave enough to hang up when the name calling began or cuss words were hurled at me. I chose not to answer the phone. I started channeling my inner Joan of Arc again. That's not to say there weren't moments of regression. Sometimes the words and names still got to me. Sometimes I still cried. I am human and that is normal. And don't we just all want to feel normal? I can't define normal for anybody but myself. So for me, I wanted to feel mostly in control of my life. We all know there's a ton of us, ton that none of us can control. But certain things, simple things, like where I would go, who I would see, and what food I would eat. Not only controlling these things, but doing so without guilt. I get to control, most of the time, who I speak to on the phone and what kind of words I hear. I get to choose the type of environment my kids grow up in and keep the verbal pollution to a minimum. I get to choose what kind of woman they have as an example. By staying, I was teaching them the wrong things and showing them the wrong kind of example. By leaving, even though they were now in a single parent household, I showed them determination and taught them strength. In fact, they fully support this podcast. Hi guys, I love you. Thank you for all of your support. My kids now know more about what marriage is supposed to be than they would have if we had stayed where we were. And I am so grateful. So what makes me a thriver today? That's easy, healing. I've continued to heal and turn my life around. I've collected more and more pieces of armor and I am a woman I can be proud of today. But in all honesty, I'm gonna say something that not everyone will agree with, but stick with me a moment. The biggest thing that makes me a thriver today is forgiveness. Let me explain. I know there are a lot of people in this club to which no one wants to belong, this club of abused wives, who say they will never forgive, that they can live a good life without it, and I am not judging anyone for that decision. The decision to forgive is a deeply personal one. For me, again, this is my belief, and I'm not saying it's applicable to everyone in every situation. This is simply my belief. But for me, forgiveness was so freeing. The forgiveness was for me. It allowed me to release anger, and stress, I didn't have to hold on to it anymore and allow it to impact my life. Don't get me wrong, it took a long time. It was hard and I didn't want to do it. But just like I was controlled in my marriage, unforgiveness was also controlling me. I had to let it go in order for me to move on and become the woman God created me to be I needed to forgive. And as a result, I'm now in a place where I can tell my story without anger. I share my experience and hopefully help another woman to leave or to not make the same mistakes I made in the first place. If I can help one woman. Once again, if you or someone you know is in a domestic abuse or domestic violence situation, please seek help. Please go to thehotline.org 
You can also call 1-800-799-SAFE, S-A-F-E, or text START, S-T-A-R-T, to 88788. Until we meet again, fight the good fight, seek beauty, and make your words warrior words. God bless. Psst, are you still listening? Good. I have a favor to ask. If you are enjoying these episodes, could you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show? Your star ratings and comments help Apple help other people find me. And that would be so helpful for me and the Warrior Words podcast. I may even read some of your reviews on an upcoming episode. Thank you, Warriors. (laughs) 